welcome to How You Spend Your Days. The goal of this show is to explore debt, break down the stigma around talking about money, and share my own journey of becoming debt-free. My name is Colin Loretz, and today we are going to be talking about minimalism. Now, minimalism is a word that evokes a lot of different things in a lot of different people. And for some people, it's having, you know, a super stark, very modern apartment that has nothing in it. For some, it's uh, having the same wardrobe of black t-shirts and jeans. Uh, If you've ever uh, checked out the minimalism documentary on Netflix, you can see an example of uh, just what minimalism looks like in a lot of different people's lives. Um, But for today's purpose, we're going to be talking about minimalism from the perspective of just the things that we own and inventorying them so that you really get a sense of the things that you have in your life. Uh, Figure out if any of those things are things that are um, taking up too much bandwidth, you know, either time, money, whatever that might be, space, uh, and figuring out does it actually make you happy? Is it something you're using? Maybe it's something that you've had hidden away in closets or garages that you are looking to use and you were looking at going out and rebuying that thing. Uh, that happens quite a lot. People are buying you know, clothes when they have so many clothes that they don't even know what they own. Um, you know, and I'm not trying to say you shouldn't go out and buy new things, but really having a true inventory of your you know, physical goods in your home, just like we've done a full inventory of all of our expenses and our money and where all that goes, uh, can be a really good idea because uh, there is a total cost of owning something that is more than just the cost of purchasing it. And so if you're looking at buying a new car, buying a new home, um, you know, even buying a new tool or a utensil or something like that, thinking about how will I use this? Is it something that can only be used for one single, you know, purpose? If so, then will it bring me happiness? Then cool. If it's something that has one purpose and sparks joy, then let's keep it. If it's something that, you know, I need to have this because everyone has one of these or, you know, my apartment won't look right without it, but, you know, I'm not really in love with it. You know, it's probably not something that you need. And so I don't want to say that you shouldn't be buying things, you shouldn't own things. Uh, We're not looking to all become, you know, aesthetic monks here, but figuring out what that balance is for you and figuring out what categories also make sense. The parallels here with money is figuring out, you know, what things make you happy and where do you want to spend that time and energy uh, so that you can have uh, less stress uh, and more time. So, and ideally with that, you'll have more money to put away towards things like your debt, uh, whatever that might look like. So uh, I'm going to go through some examples of my own. Um, I'm also going to be talking about The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo. Uh, It's a really good book. Um, It also is something that you probably heard recently because of the Netflix documentary um, kind of reality show that came out uh, where I think there's like eight episodes of different homes where she goes in and, and works with the families to figure out like how their things uh, are affecting their relationships and just their general uh, sense of, um, you know, well-being day to day. If you do watch the show, it's very interesting to see how different the situations are. Uh, the first one seems to really focus on the relationship between the husband and the wife. Uh, the second one one is 
you know, a classic example of owning so many things that you can't see the furniture underneath it. If that's something that inspires you to get your own things cleaned up, you know, that's a great way to get into it is see how other people are living and figuring out how you might be able to apply some of the principles from her book in your own life. So a lot of these things that we own, we save them and hold on to them for what if scenarios. And when we do this, it ends up being both physical and mental clutter. Uh, I have been guilty of this more than a few times of, you know, in the past couple of times that I've moved, it's made me rethink like, okay, why do I keep moving this thing uh, from place to place? And have I used it? Uh, is it something that I'm going to use? And I typically end up holding onto those things because of, you know, what if I do need this in the future and I don't want to have to go out and buy it again. And one good rule of thumb for this is that, if you haven't used it in the last year and it can be replaced with less than $20, it's probably something that you're A, not going to need again. Uh, and if you do, then you can replace it um, in, in the you know dire situation that you might actually need it. And for some of those things, they might be, you know, you just amassed a lot of tools uh, for whatever reason, project after project, whatever that is for you, uh, then, and you think you might actually use those, then put them somewhere so that you can use them. And if you find, you know, yourself in a year not using them again, and they're taking up space and they're not something that, you know, maybe it's not a hobby that you don't do anymore maybe it's time to reevaluate. A good example of that is like musical instruments. Oftentimes musical instruments end up in closets uh, or in a room that's like out of uh, sight, you know, out of mind. And you'll never practice that instrument if you don't have it out somewhere. And so that's something that I've been doing. You know, I have um, a bass guitar and a ukulele and both of those you know, are, have not been touched in a while. And so, you know, I have interest in getting back into those things. And so I'm working on putting those in a place where, you know, they're hung up in a, in the main room where I can see them and I can think about, you know, actually practicing with them. Now, if I continue after I do that to not practice with them, then it's time to be, get real with myself and think about, you know, is that something that I aspire to do for my own reasons? Is it something that makes me happy? Or is it just something that I feel like I need to do because I own these things? And this is where that mental clutter comes in is that you have all these things that you've been moving around and you're not getting enjoyment out of them and taking up space. Uh, some of those things are actually costing you money, so just like we took inventory of all of our expenses and our money, uh, it's useful to take inventory of all those things that you own so that so when you do go out to buy things, you have a true sense of what you own so that you don't rebuy things you already have. Or in some cases, you may find that you just have more than you thought you did of certain things like clothes or shoes or whatever that might be for you. And you will find yourself less likely to be buying new things. Um you know, again, we're not getting into guilting people for owning things. It's figuring out which categories of things do bring you joy in that category. What things are you holding on to just because you've always had them, always used them, whatever that is, and then allowing yourself to get rid of those things if you're truly not going to use it again. Uh, and that might mean in some cases recycling it, donating it, whatever that looks like for you. In some cases, if there are things that you've bought and they're like in new condition, you can sell them. You can, uh, there are places where you can go give clothes and get money. Um, 
all these different things will allow you to make space, make money, uh, and apply that to uh, focusing on your money journey. So let's jump into the life-changing magic of tidying up. Uh, so again, the book is by Marie Kondo. Uh, if you don't want to read the book but want to get the gist of it, you can pop on Netflix and watch her show. Uh, but the five categories that she focuses on are clothes, books, papers, uh, kimono, which is miscellaneous items, and then finally, mementos, uh, things that have some sort of significance to you. Uh, we all kind of have something like that where you're holding on to things because uh, of the emotional significance that they have. Um, and so figuring out how to process each of these categories is is really the, the purpose of her book. And so uh, each of these categories is going to be a different level of challenge for different people. Uh, some people clothing is easy to get rid of or, you know, maybe you just don't own a lot of clothing. And in some cases, you know, people really love physical books and they don't want to get rid of those or move to a Kindle or whatever that looks like. Um, so for me, you know, clothing is one that I actually just went through. Um, I did the process. Um, and for this to work, she really advocates that you take everything in one category and put it in one place. So you really don't get a true sense of what you have until it's all in one place. You can go and tidy each room one room at a time, and it makes it easy to just put everything back in an organized way instead of actually dealing with, does this bring me joy? Is this something that I want to keep? And so in my case, I took all of the clothing in, in my house. I had you know jackets and other clothes and other closets and put it all on the bed just so I can get a true sense of what I own. Uh, and then going through each thing. And she recommends literally holding every individual item and asking yourself if it brings you joy or not. And what you'll find, you know, I, in my case, that I, I own, you know, a shirt for every running race that I have ever run. I never wear any of them. You know, some of them bring back memories of those races, but I also own other things that do that, like the medals or, you know, the race bibs, things like that, which, We'll get to those items uh, in another category. But, you know, you get the shirt, you paid for it, you ran the race, whatever that might be. And I just had, you know, probably 30 to 40 race t-shirts. Uh, and so that was actually a category that made it pretty easy for me to get through uh, was like my athletic shirts and things like that. Uh, but then you get to go into things like, okay, well, why do I own uh, you know, the suit jacket that doesn't quite fit right in certain places. And maybe you own certain things because you hope to fit into them or hope to get them tailored or altered or whatever that might be. So figuring out like, do you actually enjoy that thing? And if it needs alteration, making sure that you hold on to it and making the time to go get that thing altered so that you can wear it so you can enjoy it rather than it just taking up space in your closet. Um, so I went through this. Um, part of it, it also is folding and putting things back in a way where you're going to be able to find them easily. So, you know, you may own a lot of clothes and you're just shoving them into drawers. You know, the things on the bottom are never going to see the light of day. And that was essentially how I used to store things. And now uh, everything's folded in a way where they're all stacked vertically so you can see everything. And when you do that, you can fit slightly more things, but you also see everything at the same time. And, you know, I had to basically think about when I get rid of things here, like, okay, what can I donate? Uh, is there anything I can sell? I had some clothes that still had tags on it. Uh, so clearly it had never been worn. 
but figuring out like I only want to own enough clothes that fits in my case my dresser and the closet that's in my room and so I created a, a physical boundary there uh, but you really should set whatever uh, expectation you want to have for yourself, just like going out to eat or buying groceries, whatever that budget is that you give yourself, try to, you know, give yourself some wiggle room, give her, you know, be gentle with yourself and figure out like, what do I actually want to own? If you went through this process and you end up just keeping everything, you're really only going to end up right back where you started, where you have to start thinking about, okay, do I really need to own, you know, 50 running t-shirts? Um, there's never a point which you'll ever use them all. Uh, most of them probably don't all fit properly, whatever that is. Uh, and in minimalism, what I really enjoy is thinking about fewer, better things. And uh, so owning things that are maybe higher quality or fit extremely well, something that, you know, it has a sense of quality to it. You don't want to just own a quantity of things that don't you know, spark joy, bring you happiness, whatever that might be. Uh, and in some cases, we'll talk about this in, in another category, some of those things may cost more, but they end up lasting you longer and bringing you more joy than if you were to buy something that was cheaper. Um, we've talked about the difference between being cheap and being frugal in the past, um, but owning, you know, a jacket that's going to last you many winters is much more important than having something that's going to disintegrate, uh, especially in today's world of like fast fashion and things like that, where you're going to be buying things and they're designed to fall apart uh, or designed to be a certain trend or whatever that might be. In electronics, there is a sense of planned obsolescence uh, where unfortunately some of our devices just literally have not been designed to stand for the test of time, uh, which is unfortunate because a lot of the things that we own today, we actually can't fix as easily as things that we used to own. Um, you know, technology is getting more advanced, as well as companies are getting a little greedy with how they design and, and allow us to work on our own things. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, the next category is books. Uh, this one, I own a pretty tall, I think it's the Billy bookcase from Ikea. Uh, with this one, I'm keeping my paper books because uh, I do enjoy having them. But I'm, again, limiting myself to the number of books that fits on that shelf. And so it's pretty good. It's probably got like six um, shelves on it. And so I am going through my books and figuring out which things I want to keep. Um, I do have things like cookbooks and things that... I aspire to cook from. Uh, I have not yet figured out if I'm going to keep all of those. Some of them might, it might be time to pass on uh, to Goodwill or something like that. But, you know, especially with the internet, you can find recipes there. For me, I think a lot of the ones that I've acquired were because they were very visual books um, and I really enjoy that. So figuring out like if I'm going to keep them, Maybe they need to go in the kitchen or they need to end up as like more of like a coffee table book where I'm more likely to use it, uh, you know, go through the book when people are over and figure out what to make, those kinds of things so that it's not just collecting dust, you know, in another room on the bookcase. Um, so that's books. Again, this category may be easier for you than other categories. Um, I think a lot of people have moved to Kindle, which is a whole nother uh, issue is that there is such a thing as digital clutter, which we'll talk about as another category. Um, but then category three is papers. Now, this category is an interesting one for me because I have a literal box of, it's like a paper box of papers, mail, 
tax returns, like literally everything you could think of that you would need to do your taxes, but also, you know, every shred of mail from the IRS, from uh, a lot of bills and check receipts and things like that. So for me, that box represents uh, in many ways getting out of debt. Um, It's one of the things that I want to be gone for my life when I no longer have to worry about credit card debt or the IRS or anything like that. Um, There was a time where when I was dealing with the IRS uh, probably eight years ago, I would carry all of that mail around with me, um, literally in my bag. I would have every letter and I was avoiding having to actually deal with the issue, but I was physically carrying around this manifestation of of that debt uh, and that situation. And the situation ended up not being as bad as I thought it was going to be. I just had to talk to them, had to get on a plan and figure it out. Uh, and once I did that, I stopped carrying those things around and they ended up in this box and that box, you know, slowly accumulated other, you know, the tax returns and all the things that you end up keeping anyways, uh, at least for a few years. And so I'm excited to tackle that finally, um, and process it. Most of it is very out of date and not really relevant anymore. Um, but a lot of it can be digitized or scanned, uh, and figured out so that I can just get rid of it. I've literally moved this box. I think I've moved three or four times uh, since that eight years, you know, and had this box of stuff that I've carried around with me. And it's literally a box of stress. Uh, And so you don't want that in your life. I'm sure you might have a drawer or a box or whatever that might be. It's time to process it. It's time to think about it. Uh, And then go through and find, you know, if it's books for electronics that you received or instruction manuals, all those kinds of things, almost all of those do live online. And so you don't need to hold on to the instruction manual for the microwave that you bought. You know, you probably know how to use the microwave. Um, But just processing that stuff so you don't have clutter, you don't have papers and bills and mail just always stacking up. And we've talked about processing mail in the past, but it, it is one of the most important things that you need to do if you're trying to get out of debt. Because those letters and envelopes and all that stuff that you're getting, some of them can look scary. Some of them, you know, have a bill in them. It's time to, you know, look them in the face and and deal with them. So that's papers. Um, I would say photos probably falls under this category as well. Um, But we can talk about that under digital clutter uh, in a second. Um, The next one is kimono. So kimono is uh, stands for miscellaneous items. And so this is everything else that doesn't fit into the clothes, books and papers category. For you, kimono could be tools. Um, It could be uh, other items from your hobbies. It could be recreational equipment. It could be whatever you're hiding in your closet or hiding in your garage, whatever that looks like for you. Uh, for me, I have a two bedroom apartment and one of my bedrooms is full of, uh, hobby type things. It's my office. So I also have my desk and my computer set up in there. Um, but that's in a weird way, almost all of my, you know, quote unquote kimono is in that room. And this is a category I have not tackled yet. Uh, I have a tendency to get into hobbies that I really enjoy. And then I end up buying, you know, the tools for them. So I would say something like uh, leather working. Uh, That's a pretty specific hobby that requires specific tools. Um, And I have things for sewing and a lot of maker type things, electronics, um, LEDs, building things, um, that kind of stuff. So, you know, I need to really get into that and figure out 
are these hobbies that I aspired to get into? Was it only a weekend project and maybe I should have borrowed those tools instead? Uh, are those tools that I can still sell if I choose not to uh, continue with those hobbies? Or if I find myself really wanting to get back into it, giving myself the space in that room so that I can have it set up so that I can use it. Uh, right now, a lot of that stuff is in boxes and it's just not uh, allowing me to see it. It's out of sight, out of mind. Uh, and I'm just never going to use it in that situation. I also have a tendency to start projects and not finish them, especially when they're like for fun like that. And so figuring out, you know, do I need a physical space where that project can live with all the tools that's required for it so that I can do, you know, follow through with that? Uh, or was it just a fad that I went through and, you know, I really wanted to get into it, but then, you know, other things uh, kind of came up and took priority. There's a really good quote that I like, which is, show me your calendar and your expenses, and I'll show you where your priorities are. And I think that's what this whole idea here of thinking about what a minimalist life looks like for you in terms of uh, your clothing, your hobbies, your items is really important because we're not trying to get you to get rid of all of your things. We're trying to get you to create space for the things you actually love doing and the things that you want to do. Uh, it is really crazy how many, you know, even as I say this, how many of these things overlap, you know, with food and going out to eat, you know, enjoying those things and doing, the, you know, going out to the restaurants that you truly want to go to or spending money on things that truly bring you happiness, whether it's a physical thing or an experience, because it makes you happy, not just because you're unconsciously going through and spending money because you needed to have lunch or you didn't have time to cook or whatever that is. It's the same thing in your home. And so if you feel like you keep coming home from work and you're tired and then you feel like you need to clean all the time and do all this laundry, you maybe want to look at whether or not you have too many clothes or have too much clutter so that when you do come home, you don't even have to worry about dealing with it because everything is in its place. Um, or if it's not, that tidying doesn't end up taking that much time. Um, that's something that I've been trying to do more frequently is that, you know, rather than have that one day a week where I do a deep clean of the entire house, I don't ever allow myself to get to that point. And so having a more minimalist lifestyle is important in that. Uh, I would say that some people, if you walked into my apartment, you would call me a minimalist um, just from my like aesthetic of the apartment. Uh, I definitely don't have a lot of clutter. I don't have a lot of things on the walls. You know, I have a few pieces of art that I really enjoy. I have a few pieces of furniture uh, and I don't have people at the house very much, but, you know, it's not something where I want to have uh, a lot of items out on all the counters or having a giant stack of papers that is just, you know, causing me stress every time I walk by. And so I really designed, you know, my apartment around that. In the kitchen, I do the same. I really want the kitchen to be a place where when I do cook, there's not this added resistance to uh, putting something together because I have the few things that I need. You know, I own a few knives, a few utensils, and a few pans. Almost everything that I have in the kitchen is multi-use. There's not like an avocado slicer just for slicing avocados because I have a knife for that. Um, there's a lot of utensils and tools that, you know, Bed Bath & Beyond wants to sell you that has only one purpose. 
again, if there's an item out there that only has one purpose, but it makes you so happy and you use it all the time, then definitely you should have that. Uh, put it in the kitchen or put it in the house wherever you need to use it. But if you feel like you just have all these things and you're not using them, then it's time to just kind of think about maybe it's time we get rid of that thing. Uh, so the next item uh, after kimono is mementos. And so these are things that have uh, emotional significance to you. This could be uh, letters, photos, photo albums, all this kind of stuff. Now, holding on to this kind of stuff and asking whether or not it brings you joy is going to be difficult because some of it are th- they're going to be things that you're holding on to. Um, they may be from, you know, family. They may be from past relationships, whatever that is. Uh, in my case, I also have you know, all those medals and race bibs and things that have a special significance to me because they were races that I ran. You could maybe put those under kimono as well. Um, but those items are things that I need to think about, like, how do I want to uh, have them in my life? And so right now, um, I've gotten through the first three categories and kimono and mementos are up next for me. Um, I've already moved to digitizing most of the physical photos that I've had or taking pictures of things that are a memento for me. So items from past relationships or things like that, I've just taken photos of them and then, you know, disposed of them or taken care of those, whatever that might be. Um, photos, you really want to think about where am I going to put this in a place where I can make sure that it's going to stand the test of time, right? The benefit of physical photos is that you have them, but, you know, digital photos, we want to make sure that like if they're stored in Dropbox, like, okay, what happens one day when Dropbox doesn't exist? Um, some people use things like Google Photos and Flickr. You obviously don't want to have all these photos on your phone or only on one computer. So figuring out how you organize your digital life is becoming even more important. And we're going to talk about digital and creative things in a second, um, because that's actually a pretty big category for me is figuring out how to organize all of the files and things in your life as well. So deal with mementos and however you want, you know, again, don't get rid of them. If it doesn't, if it, if it's something you want in your life, if they're photos, you know, instead of being in boxes, maybe they need to end up in frames and going up on your walls, whatever that looks like for you. So that's going to be a very individual thing. I would love if there's something that you uh, have found that works for you that if you could let us know, uh, you know, on Instagram or Twitter, uh, if you've gone through the Marie method in your own home, I'd be really curious to see uh, how that's working for you. Um, so on to digital clutter, this for me includes hard drives, um, you know, files, uh, just photos, whatever it is that you're using. For me, I produce a lot of files as a part of my work. So that's code, that's uh, graphic design, that's Photoshop files, whatever that is. And you don't really want to get rid of it. Oftentimes it ends up just sticking around on your one laptop. But your computer needs to be able to have space in it, just like your brain or your physical space. And so when you think about that, you know, you don't want your phone and your computer hard drive to always be maxed out with all of these items. And you want to have it backed up for security and safety. Um, heaven forbid, you know, you drop something or you break it. You want to make sure that that stuff's all backed up. So figuring out what solution is good for you. There are a lot of hard drive backup services like Backblaze and things like that that can help you. Um, so like if your computer were to die today, Backblaze can just send you a brand new hard drive that has the full image of your computer on it. Um, That's a really cool service. 
if you are especially like a creative where your work is on your computer and the deliverables for whatever you're doing is there. Um, another option would be something like Dropbox, which is really just making sure that certain files, if they're client files or your photos or whatever, are being stored in Dropbox so that you can have them. And you have now the added benefit of being able to also share those things with people, whether it's uh, teammates you know, at work or uh, friends and family if you're also looking at photos. Um, so that's kind of the digital sense of things, especially if you are just a digital creative of in any way, you really need to think about how you're storing things, naming files, file structure, all that kind of stuff. Um, so that you don't have to worry about all of that, just ballooning up and running unchecked, uh, on your computer as well. Uh, I will give another note about tools, uh, unless you, tools is an interesting one because I think we all tend to have like, you know, that mix and match toolbox that we've accumulated over time. And that's fine, right? You're going to need screwdrivers and things like that. But, you know, buying a specific tool for a specific job that you may or may not use again, really think about whether or not you can rent that tool or, you know, in the case of what I was doing with the leatherworking, you know, maybe go to a few workshops or see if there's a way to actually borrow those tools through a makerspace or through a tool library if there's one in your city. Uh, because a lot of those tools tend not to be used all that much unless you're a professional. You know, a professional leather worker is going to use a punch uh, all the time. They're going to use uh, a riveter all the time. But if you're only making one thing once a year, you probably don't necessarily need to own that. Or see if you can find those tools through a secondhand source uh, rather than having to buy all those new. Uh, but you know, if we're not thinking about just the money side of it, it's are you going to buy all these tools like a tile saw for cutting tile to do tile in your bathroom once and then have that thing hang around so that you might one day cut tile again. That's something that you should probably rent or borrow and just figure out like, you know, if you want to have tile, that's going to be one of the costs that you're going to have. Um, but there's no sense in owning that and having it take up space forever. So uh, really, I want you to think again, as we wrap this up, uh, how to make sure that the things that you own don't end up owning you. So, you know, I don't, think you have to go out and follow all these categories and, you know, follow everything that Marie Kondo has said. But I think each of us has a category where we can take a little look and see what could I get rid of? What could I uh, move around to allow myself to have some space for new things, new experiences? And I think it's really important to be able to really think about all these things that you own in terms of their costs, the time investment that they require, and in some cases, if they're adding to the stress of your daily life. So that's going to do it for episode 15. Uh, it's a little bit of a departure, but all of these things are surprisingly connected. And, you know, I'm not trying to get you again to be this 100% productive and effective person. I don't necessarily think that everyone needs to uh, be living on a $30 a week food budget like we talked about last week and be, you know, an aesthetic minimalist, uh, and never own or buy ever anything ever again. 
But it's important to have intention around the things that we buy and spend our time on. So good luck to all of you. If you are going to embark on a little tidying adventure, uh, definitely check out the Netflix documentary uh, with Marie Kondo. It's definitely worth checking out and seeing how other people have dealt with their physical clutter uh, and their physical, in some cases, stress. Uh, but if you want to share with us any of your tidying or tips, uh, I would love to hear from you at howyouspendyourdays.com. You can email us at howyouspend at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram at, at howyouspend. And we will see you next week. Thanks. Music in this episode from Blue Dot Sessions.